So welcome to the Save the Universe podcast, episode 31, and our first normal Woo-hoo. episode for so long. Yeah, like uh, four about weeks. A month. Yeah. Because uh, one of the last things we did a while ago was we decided to do a, have a Q&A only podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And then it was the and You then, and Meek cast for E3, and yeah. then there was like a break week, and then there was the bird myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, so there was yeah, there was an E three po- podcast and a Steam Summer Sale podcast after the Q and A podcast. We haven't had a normal podcast where we just talk about games we've been playing lately for like maybe to a month. To be fair, and a half not a month. At this point, June June is probably the best month for that because nothing has come out like yeah. that's actually been worth anything. I've been sitting I've here got, like yeah, stacking it's up been topics a, though. Dude, I'm recording a pretty slow month. I recorded games a month in advance. Like they're not even out until the end of July, and I'm recording series on them because, like, what else am I going to record? <laughs> so you're recording games that you can't even put out videos for yet already? No, no. Uh, the develop. This is one of those situations where the developers are like, "Yeah, the game's not out for a month, but like, no embargo. Have fun." And so, uh, but you're that like, was... but you're deciding to put it out when it comes out anyway, or something? Or what? no, 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 no. Oh, he's just doing it right now. Up now because I just oh. I don't have anything else to record. Apart hmm. from like older games, I I'm putting you out. De- so you just dive deep down that nasty darkest dungeon hole again. Well, I am actually. <laughs> yeah. I needed. I needed. Recently, I had a question about darkest dungeon on my channel, and I was like, "Eh, Wanderbot's playing it." Yeah. <laughs> Go over Honestly, there. I very can't little take has it changed. It's more balanced. Uh, Radiant mode is really nice. For I don't me, it's know just rough how disgustingly yet. long the game is. It is horribly long. Like, I just needed something to stream because, yeah. like, um, the main issue with uh, the main issue with uh, like games that haven't come out on Steam yet is mm-hmm. trying to stream those is like stream suicide because nobody knows to look for them. Yeah, right. uh, and you so just have just a your, billion people. Are those. they even on like the giant bomb list anyway? No, a lot of times. So, so like yeah. ha- half the so, time it's. Just like okay, uh, it's a good thing I'm, Jeff Gersman got fired from game from GameStop or I mean GameSpot so that we can get the definitive video game list of the internet. <laughs> um, it's a weird uh, butterfly effect. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, I did a hundred. So weird that I have no clue Dungeon. what the hell I just said. I can't go back for a new expansion. You don't know about the Jeff Gersman story? Nope. Uh, Jeff Gersman uh, wrote a negative review for. Canaan Lynch 2? Oh, I God, think? that's some old while history. They're, while they're, yeah, while right. GameSpot was also running uh, ads for that stuff. Oh, you're, and yeah, so you're like talking they, about the origin so, of Giant Bomb. Okay, yeah, so he was yeah, let go and, he, and created Giant Bomb with uh, Ryan Davis and everyone else and stuff like that. And, and then became like the number one and best. They continue to be the best video game website, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like with the best video game podcast and the like the just general great discussion. Even to be fair, po- I still think that Kane and Lynch 2 is the greatest video game ever made. Uh-huh. It has a weird backstory, because that's the company that went on... Mittens, that's, that's the That's the <laughs> Hitman company, which recently became a solo company, because uh, Square Enix let them go for the for the last Hitman game not doing well enough, so now they're back to making mm-hmm. Hitmans as like an indie project that they do themselves again. That's good, though. That's like I kind of preferred when... I, I kind of prefer when they do the, like, uh, Sony thing. Uh, when developers do the Sony, like, uh, Naughty Dog thing, where it's, like, very clearly mm-hmm. a, like, direct partnership, but they're not, like, breathing down their necks. I hate the uh, Activision Bungie set- setup where it's just like, by the yeah. way, if you don't get this uh, game finished by X year, we're going to take half your company. It's like, what the fuck? Re- no. That's horrifying. 
Yeah, you, I want it, it really seems become... like New Hitman was a victim of its own publisher because the game itself is, yeah. is often lauded as being the best game of last year, but yeah. everything surrounding the game is just ass nonstop. Yeah, almost as oh, ass yeah, as I, the yeah. sounds happening right now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I need like I said, he's chair. wearing leather pants on a leather couch right now. <laughs> it's every sound. and he's very sweaty because he lives in yes. the middle of a heat wave. But, but back to Darkest Dungeon, just like the the radiant mode, even on their own on a page advertises the idea that it reduces the playtime for the game from 80 hours to 40 hours and I'm just like yeah, I can't it, do another I can't do another 80 make... episode series on this game <laughs> I can't It does make a huge difference there's also a character that like actively gets you shit tons of money as long as they're in your party uh I've noticed my mm -hmm. character deaths have been like down the dramatically and stuff like that Yeah the antiquarian yeah, that that's pre radiant mode that one's that I had I had that yeah. back when I was playing But all of them together have made it a fairly easy uh, run. Yeah. Like, I, I've just been kind of I just can't start over again. Through it. But yeah, no, it's not worth starting over again. If you still had your save file, I'd say it's almost justified to just play Crimson Court with what you already got and just kind of beast through the uh, lower difficulties until you get up to the, like, harder stuff. Yeah. But even then, eh. It's, I don't know. I just, for me, it's I wanted uh, the something biggest problems I have with the game are from a Let's Play perspective of just, I gotta mm. talk over this thing. And just this yeah. feeling of like, I've, like, I, uh, I had a very real feeling of like, wow, I'm literally saying things I've said uh, 10 times before when, like, during episodes. Like, I was just, I was just repeating scripts in my head yeah, on how sucks. to react to certain things because the game Some is games just so don't give you enough ammo. Yeah. yeah. That's where I just start talking about, like, life, the universe, and everything. Uh, Bird, were you giving me shit about this where, I, like, I was talking about uh, money and stuff? No. Uh, again? Okay, maybe not. Maybe it was somebody in my audience that sounded, like, exactly like something you'd say. I frequently maybe. will, like, talk about how to Let's Play and, like, kind of the... Yeah, you go uh, you pull back the curtain and go meta. Yeah, that, yeah. that happened during, like, our... Uh, we, we did a gauntlet playthrough where the entire gauntlet playthrough was just us talking about the concept of YouTubing, and it was, like, really unfortunate for anyone who actually was looking up a, a gauntlet playthrough. <laughs> right. <laughs> I no, I, rough. You can actually I, watch me give up in real time on Darkest Dungeon, because when I go through my playlist uh, for the my most recent playthrough that I did that never finished, uh, you just see the episode titles drop off to not being titled anymore and just numbered. <laughs> For like the yeah. last episodes, because I'm just like I can't anymore. I can't even come up with names for these things. It's just the same game. Like I could see myself mindlessly grinding away about at that game on like a Vita or whatever if I had infinite time oh, yeah. and, and just like it's a downtime game the way you play Diablo and Dynasty, Dynasty Warriors. But like talking about it so hard eventually. Mm -hmm. What are you trying to say, Bird? Oh, I was just going to respond to what Wanda was saying with regards to, like, uh, talking about, like, money and meta-commentary and stuff like that. Like, I try to avoid talking about that as much as possible. So I try not I to know. talk about specifics, but, like, you know, I mm -hmm. talked about YouTube Red a while back. I will right. oftentimes, I for better that. or worse, <laughs> talk about how, like, Adblock Plus is kind of mean to YouTubers. Yeah. Like, I, I, I have, like, I've never... Um, criticize you enough, oh. like, for doing that, but I have actually like sometimes I I will admit I do tune out of your streams when you talk about too much meta stuff for too long. Yeah, but it's I don't just think like, I've ever I don't think I've ever like made no, a no, no. fuss about I, I, it. I it was uh, Brian Necros in my chat. He every okay. once in a while he'll say something, and I was like, was that a bird thing? It also doesn't help that you both have red text. It also doesn't help my that stream he, show. I actually agree. He does sound like me sometimes. <laughs> yeah. He pops into but, my chat and I'm like, hey, Brian, yeah. it's like I'm talking to a mirror. Hey, me. Yes. 
Um, but yeah, sometimes we'll you just kind of need yeah. to talk about like meta <laughs> stuff though, because like freaking out, well, I'm still playing uh, Dead Cells and just I, like what do I talk mm-hmm. about after I a mean, while? I was playing Subnautica and it's just like okay, I have to swim for a fucking mile. What do I talk about now? <laughs> like that yeah. was. That's the maddening part of that game, but that's never here and there. That's something that drives people absolutely nuts on my end is like, if I don't have anything to talk about, I'll start talking about like ways games could be improved or better. And everybody like all the comments immediately just go to like, stop whining. And I'm like, I'm just thinking about like cool things that could be done. I'm not even I'm not even like upset here. This is what you get for the live stream experience. Yeah, <laughs> no, this is these are on the YouTube videos. Most people on yeah. the live stream experience are like pretty down with the uh, with the idea of me like talking about this stuff. Yeah, and yeah, but it's, the two, it's where the two formats kind of come together. Like, yeah, uh, that's a good point. Like if Bird was just making videos that he was editing and it was just for YouTube, but then like, oh, I got to swim for a mile and do nothing. It'd be like, I'm there now. <laughs> like you could like skip yeah. the part where you have nothing to talk about. But once you're live streaming, it's like, oh, shit, I'm here, and I can't unbe here. <laughs> there's something, <laughs> I guess we're going to talk about this. This is kind of a fun topic to talk about. But, like, there's something to be said for being put in those situations that force you to try and be in creative as interesting as possible. Yeah. And that I kind of appreciate. Like, I mean, it, it kind of burned me out on Subnautica because it was such a constant thing where it was like, god damn, I have to swim yeah. everywhere. And I just have to look at a damn ocean. But, yeah. um, like... Other times, there's something really interesting about being put uh, in under the gun like that. Like, uh, it happened to me a little bit when I was playing Rhyme, where if I got stuck on a puzzle, like, I can't, with the way I have everything set up, like, it's super duper imperative that I, like, can't stop. Ever. Uh, Oh, yeah. So, I had to, like, what I had to do was I had to be very, I had to start becoming, like, really creative with my solutions, which oftentimes led me to solve the puzzles faster and also um like have yeah. more interesting content but like oh there were some times i was playing that game when i could feel myself butting up against like i don't know how to solve this puzzle and like this, that's that why... silent panic attack of like what am i going to talk about shall we uh so we shall we speak of uh player unknown's battleground we stuff could. or i could distract I mean, you with the solo thing for a little bit then go back to things that you can talk about so that we can go okay a bit what is I your solo thing? say I have desperately wanted to talk about Andromeda <laughs> for okay, so long. Fine. So it blew my mind away with a crazy, like, high-quality mission. And yes. I was really confused. Uh, admittedly, this is a long time ago now, so it's hard to remember because we didn't talk about video games for so long on this video game podcast. Uh, but I did the Liam Costa loyalty mission. because You do a loyalty mission for each character. And mm-hmm. it was bizarre because out of nowhere, this game became like the Citadel DLC for Mass Effect 3, where it becomes like snappy cutscenes and funny dialogue and like actual like physical comedy in a video game and like high quality mm. things like that. Like there's a, a running gag where like if the uh, you board this suit, this like basically super villain ship and he calls on the hologram to taunt you and dramatic evil music starts playing and you can do a quick time event to tur- to just hang up on him at any moment 
And if you hang up on him, the music stops immediately too, in sync with hanging up on him. And it pays off later with like you, you're at one point you're bickering with Liam back and forth like freaking Firefly dialogue, and over and over again you both keep hanging up on the villain that keeps calling you over and over again. And the music keeps rising and falling and rising and falling in sync with that. That sounds Mean- really fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, you're sabotaging a ship, and it's messing with like its uh, stabilizers for gravity, which means you're playing while, while while like running on the walls and running on the ceiling while debris is huh. all like scattered about, and you're platforming on that, and it complements the verticality and jumping mm-hmm. that's built into the game in general like in, it actually like is a level that plays to the game strength of being a game that has boost jumping and dashing and all this third person in combat and physics based attacks while having a story that plays to bioware strengths and unfortunately i've now played like another 20 hours since that happened and i can say that all the way up into that point and all the way since that point never has that glimmer of quality ever shown its face ever again in the entire game it's it bizar- is guest written so weird <laughs> it is so weird how much effort is given to one hour of optional content in this game that never ever shows up again it's so I, confusing i will say this i miss the days of bioware having largely like linear things like there were kind of open mm-hmm. world segments but for the most part it was linear and then sometimes it would open up so it's like here's a place where you can do a couple of side quests but mostly it's just like an area yeah like a- after what happened with inquisition and especially andromeda like they they need to go back to making 20 hour games because yeah. they're, ma- they're making these mega games that i have that like my where my playthrough was like 170 episodes and crap and it's just like but why though what part of this was I, good? i still get comments being like are you going back to it i'm like <laughs> i just can't justify it like, I'm enjoying Persona because for the most part, it's a linear directed and well-designed experience. And the yeah. idea of trying to slog through Mass Effect is just so... So I, I typed this into my into the, our notes earlier as a roller coaster of emotion for Andromeda. And the reason for that is that, like, this was such a huge high bar for quality that is up there with some of the best stuff that's happened in, in Bioware games with, like, the Mass Effect franchise. And it hit a low, like a real low... Uh, there's a place called Eladin. It's the last planet you visit in the game as far as, like, the places that you terraform and everything like that. And everything started to break uh, and not make sense, basically. Uh, there's a few other things. There's fewer things. Like, one, I never terraformed the planet, but it, tell, it told me I had 100% viability and that I could now bring my... Uh, I could now bring down my colony, so I settled the planet without terraforming it, and I could have left it there and technically been 100% complete, air quotes, with the planet without ever doing the terraforming thing. That's the whole point of you going to every planet in the first place. <laughs> but the, but uh-huh. and there's, a, there's like 50 plot issues I could bring up, but the main thing I want to bring up is this really weird moment, which is I, I started feeling like I'm playing a Gary's Mod uh, scenario where you just put placeholder assets everywhere, because the entire planet... I was apparently all fighting over the fact that there's a giant remnant ship that's a huge, beautiful visual, by the way, in the middle of this desert dune area. And it's got a drive core that everyone wants. Everyone wants the remnant core from the ship. It's this big, coveted super MacGuffin. And uh, when you get there, not only does it only take like 10 minutes to get there and just fight your way in in two seconds and it's no big deal and it's like weirdly overhyped. When you get to it, the drive core itself is a normal platform tipped sideways to make it look like a physical object. And then there's these, throughout the entire game, there's these things called uh, integrated tech nodes that are just a weird pedestal with tentacle-looking things out of it. And all you do is scan them to get uh, tech points, basically. It's a, it's supposed to be a throwaway thing like the Reployer from Prey, where it's just like a nonsensical item that serves all purposes. 
this te- this uh, drive core that everyone on the planet wants. That's the most important object in the entire planet, and definitely deserves to have resources dedicated to it from from video game development standpoint. It's a sideways platform and two integrated tech nodes floating in the air crookedly. It's literally placeholder assets that they never replaced with an actual asset. Oh God! Yeah, and it gets worse. <laughs> Because the other ongoing plot point is that people need water, and you track down the actual source of water on the planet that's been bogarted by this person that's using the water as a source of power because they because everyone uh, goes through them. I use Bogart, but not talking about drugs again. <laughs> you get you get to this person's hideout where their where their water is, and you get to the water pump, and the water pump is a giant freaking integrated tech node. It's just the same asset again, but big now, used for a completely <laughs> different purpose. So like mm-hmm. and th- it's not like they took like a really they didn't take like a super obscure model it is the single most common object you look at in the game whenever you're in remnant areas because it's the thing that gives you the tech points that let you develop g- games throughout the entire game like it's like the most important object that you see constantly and interact with and they use it as placeholders in multiple locations where i presume they were going to replace it with an actual building or something and just didn't and then the game launched <laughs> Not only did the game launch, but it's been out for like four months now. And so I don't think they're ever going to replace it. So it's I've like... heard also that they might not be putting out their uh, single player DLC. <laughs> it's it's just like it's the equivalent worrying. of like if you saw teddy, ba- teddy bears scattered around. And then when you got to important plot points, the plot point objects were also giant teddy bears of different colors. <laughs> <laughs> and no one thought it was weird in universe. Like it's... It's so weird how unfinished those parts of the game and how polished the other parts are. Like, it shows you that, like, mm-hmm. this thing is ultimately, it, it's like, it's a mismanaged project on a fundamental level. And it's that nothing makes it more clear than that gulf of quality from moment to moment. It's the kind of inconsistency you get from Sonic the Hedgehog games that are always made in like nine months for as little money as possible. So, it's been a trip. You want to talk about players unknown battlegrounds? <laughs> I mean, not overwhelmingly. <laughs> I. I just I wanted to Fun mention because shooting yeah. sucks. Yeah, shooting sucks. It's fascinating. It's I think the first multiplayer game where I prefer to only play with one other person. Yeah. <laughs> like I legitimately don't really enjoy playing four player because it's just too we easy get our to asses like kicked every yeah. time. <laughs> Whereas like when I'm playing co op with Keith, generally we have like a legitimate chance to like fight people and like mm. not suck and. Uh, I think one know, of the problems is that if we're traveling as a squad, every we always hold up in places and then just get killed because like we yeah. don't we can't with four people. It's like so much harder to coordinate like an assault that we just end up like getting stuck in firefights and dying. We just like park our asses. I, I really like being in a four person squad in that game. I think my other problem is like. I I would like I would be a bigger fan if I actually was able to accomplish anything ever. Yeah, it's that's, really frustrating that's for me. Kind of the other <laughs> problem, which is like um, when I'm playing, there's kind of that calculated question of like, am I going to be the first one to die, and then I'm going to have to watch my three squad mates running around without me for the next like while, or you know what happened with Andrew the other night, which is just like the best are, thing ever. <laughs> That was I mean, pretty interesting. But. It was interesting, but it's like, if I have to do that repeatedly, I think I'd get really, really, like, cheesed off about it, because I legitimately, like, want to practice and get good about it. So That's, with, like, two players... 
basically been my entire experience with the game. Yeah. <laughs> is me watching other people play it. That's always the hard thing about trying to get groups together for multiplayer ga- games is that everyone has to be game for it, and that almost never happens. Hmm. So I'm, in this case, I'm the one that's like super like up for what's happening so far, but I don't know if it'll last because everyone else is going to fall off. Yeah, yeah I like mean, Age I'm, of I'm, Conan all over again. I'm I fine for playing more one. <laughs> did you? Did you even play any Age of Conan? Not on my channel. It was once upon a time I, uh, I got every single one of my friends to all play Age of Conan. Like we all, got, oh. we, all we all agreed to get it on at launch. The, oh, we're talking about the MMORPG. Uh, that came out like six Conan, years ago or something. Yeah, not Conan Empire. Conan Exiles. No, Exiles. it was called Age of Conan, the MMORPG. And it was interesting because right. it, it had directional melee attacks. So it had a, other elements attached to your melee and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was having fun with it. Every single one of my friends quit with playing within a week. And I was like, oh. I tried doing that with I guess uh, Lord of the so Rings well. Online. Because I think Lord of the Rings Online... No, no, no. When Lord of the Rings Online went free to play... Or maybe when D&D Online went free to play. That's what it was. Mm. Uh, I don't even know if they ever had the uh, subscription model. But they went free to play really fast. And so I was just like, hey, let's play this. And my D&D group were like, yeah, sure, that sounds really fun. <laughs> and then they all downloaded it. And then we're like, we're not interested. And then just that was it. And I was like, <laughs> all right. I have been like prepping my clerics so I can make sure that we can complete things. And I guess, well, that's something goes wrong in every game. Yeah. You just yeah. had to get motion sickness in GTA 5, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. We well, were going to do there heist. Were other reasons. We were going to yeah. do heists. We could conceivably still do heists. It we was had, the open world stuff that I think... There was such a flip switch of like... Uh, I remember there was a prolonged period of us not doing heists because we were afraid of excluding people to then everyone not playing it simultaneously and no one gets to do heists. Um, I, I think that also kind of suffered from the... Uh, what was it? Uh, the problem where one person starts playing like a lot more than the others. Yeah, um, that happened pretty hardcore with that game. But we, it's okay, because uh, we just don't play with any of those people now. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, I mean, I, I would not be surprised, actually, if that wasn't the game that kind of divided us to begin with. Yeah. Um, but Yeah, there so, was a uh, thing where we had other people we played that game with, and, like, several of them would just start marathoning the game every day, all day, and yeah, so, <clears throat> grew into very different motivations for what they wanted to do with their average session while also having, like, end game content stuff while we had, like, a pistol. <laughs> Yeah. yeah uh, so at one point, uh, oh yeah, it, it's also one of those where like anytime we tried to do anything competitive, there was kind of such a wide skill uh, yeah. gap. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we were trying to do the planes versus snipers thing, and I just get sniped hopping into my plane, and I'm like, well, all right, I'm done. I had so much fun editing the shenanigan stuff. Like the highlight of the entire play uh, sessions we had. I think for GTA was that day where we tried to tr- take taxis to the top of a mountain. Yeah. And just that all was the like things one of the first things we did. It that was, was hilarious. Like two, that was like two or three sessions in eventually, but like it was like that was such a long, prolonged thing from us trying to all call taxis to all take them up and that not panning out. And then like eventually all just deciding to like, I don't know if we raced we to the top of the mountain to that or goal. what. We It took us like an hour to go to the yeah. top of a fucking hill in that game because we decided. At least, God bless us, we stuck to it. We were like, we're getting to the top of that hill. Yep. And we did. It just took a long time. (laughs) 
But I mean, I just remember like some of the sessions of that game. Like I would, I would hop on to play with everybody, and I'm, I'd be like, "Hey, bird, what level are you? Like nine? And they're like, "Oh, I'm level twenty-eight. And it's like, "Well, (laughs) gonna be fun. (laughs) What content are we allowed to play? And it's like I'm not even like mad about that. It just like became a problem. For me, the other thing is just the way GTA Online is set up is such a um is such a like downer for me because I specifically don't enjoy um Mm -hmm. I I specifically don't enjoy the Skinner's um, box. Well, the Skinner box, but like it exists to sell shark cards. Yeah. Uh, at this point. And I actually saw that um, Watch Dogs 2 has, re- I think, released their multiplayer. And I was actually going to float the idea because, like, they don't have the Skinner box. It's just kind of screw around with the, like, online stuff. And, like, it'll be a lesser experience, but at least I won't feel like a walking piggy bank for, uh, for, um, shit, who develops GTA at this point? Rockstar? I'd- it's always been yeah, Rockstar. Rockstar. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I just don't... I never think of them as a company because GTA 5 is the first and only Rockstar product I've ever played. Oh, is it? Yeah. Interesting. My favorite one's and, always been Bully. Yeah, I never got Bully into Bully. Bully was a very interesting game. That, yeah. No follow-up of any kind. Thanks, Rockstar. Does it really <laughs> no, need no, one? They've got, they've got the follow-up. They keep uh, making more Rockstars. I mean, more GTAs. Yeah. They've, they've got the follow-up in development right now. They actually. Really? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, they they uh, released some teaser stuff at E3. Oh, so interesting. Hmm. You will yeah, bully get... was just a really neat little game. You will get your bully too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll get I my saw... bully. Bully. Who was it? <laughs> oh, I think it was like. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was uh, Viva Visor. Um. He oh, had been... Wow, that's a name. Yeah, that's a name. <laughs> he had been playing bully, and I was watching time. that for Viva a bit. Visor. I was like, I haven't heard that name in a while. Yeah. Um, that's not, that's the one I don't hate, right? Right. Uh, yeah, your Vatiwa is the guy that yeah. you were thinking of. <laughs> there we go. They have frustratingly similar names, which is what I say every time we talk about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but so Viva Visor uh, had been doing a playthrough, and I was like, that looks kind of vaguely interesting. I just uh, mm-hmm. oh, his channel's dead. Oh yeah, he's been yeah, dead. He's quit a long time it's ago. Been two years. Yep. Well. And I remember I used to like look up to him Bar specifically as like the our fallen well, brethren. His, his commentary was pocket good, dry colors and spiders dry. <laughs> yeah, it was good and dry, which kind of goes. Well, he was multiple he was a something ways. awfuler through and through. Yeah, so he was a form let's player like primarily. Oh wow, you have, you have to scroll down four years to get to his bully playthrough. Yeah, that was a while ago. Yep. What did he do but, outside of? He was he was a pretty smart dude, right? Yeah, uh, he was in IT or programming. Yeah, it was something like that. I remember the people. I remember in the achievement hunter community, at, which by which I don't I don't mean Rooster Teeth, but uh, achievement hunting in general, like uh, true achievements and, and Xbox three sixty achievements dot org and stuff like that. There was like a hubbub for a bit of people being mad about bully because one of the achievements yeah. requires you to kiss twenty dudes. I I remember that that yeah, that used to be o- controversial. It's called Over the Rainbow because I had a quest for kissing guys. It was well, one of the very first games that actually showed like guys kissing each other, if I remember. And that like, was back, uh, Rockstar. Yeah, that, that was uh, 
back when that was controversial. It's still controversial. I'm sure you'd still get people pissed off about it, but it was controversial then too. Meanwhile, there's other, there's other people that are like, I'm going to buy the Japanese version because it has a separate achievement list so I can get the achievement for kissing 20 dudes twice. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The internet's a weird place. A very weird place. We should talk what about a little, I've never heard of this a little internet bit more. Before. The internet. What is this internet? I, I guess part of it with PUBG is like, I almost feel like we're, we shouldn't too much. Because we've only like just played it for two days. Yeah, but we should. We haven't. For people listening to the podcast, we haven't introduced the uh, concept of why this game is interesting in the first place. Ah, eh, fair enough. Fair enough. Like it's it's one of those like, shooter. Wa- it's well, it's like a water games. cooler like game. Yeah. You like the main reason why you want to play it is because it's so dynamic. In how or it's, like uh, it's. What was the word, what was the storytelling word again? We we, we uh, emergent we, yeah, emergent emer- storytelling it has emergent stories. That's like the the main yeah the main draw to it. Unless you're just really competitive, I guess. But we're not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of so like the, uh, so the fun parts the of Daisy game is. There's a there's been a recent hype and focus ever almost traced back to Minecraft, I guess. Even just just open world survival games that have gone in different paths. And one of the big specific offshoots has been. Uh, the Arma 2 mod uh, DayZ, which is a big Russian made-up island location where you fight zombies and each other. and it, But it's... That game well, and no Rust goal. and other stuff like that are just sandboxes. Mm-hmm. You can build stuff up and you can get a goal and you can get super decked out and you can die permanently at any moment and then have to respawn naked again and so on and so forth. Like, it's it's continuous and it's impactful and everything, but it's just a sandbox. So mm-hmm. some games have taken that kind of gameplay and given it focus. And one of the big cases here is is in a player unknown's battlegrounds. You straight up, uh, it, it it's that it's that type of map and those gameplay mechanics. Cross uh, with all of the survival mechanics stripped out. It's just weapon acquisition and health and healing items and stuff like that. And no like, no like disease control or hypothermia is in the game. But uh, it, t- it turns into a battle royale situation where a plane flies over the continent and everyone jumps out whenever they want to and all lands on different parts of the island. And then it does really interesting things where it forces the ga- the match to be in, in a 20 to 30 minute uh, territory because basically a series of randomly generated shrinking circles will spawn on the map that ferry all the players towards specific locations over time as the number of players naturally decreases just due to proximity and permadeath until you have like a last man standing finally. And it's like, it's a, it's a really surprisingly elegant design for that concept. And really the main things holding it back are things like net code and how well it's, how well an indie developer can make responsive third person shooter combat and stuff like that. Apparently not well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, does not feel great. Yeah, no. the shooting, cool the shooting idea, is very clunky feeling in the game. There have been so many times when I aim at something and I try to shoot it and I hit like a tree branch to my left. And I'm like, how? It wasn't even <laughs> fucking there, man. Oh, it's frustrating. I'm just wondering, like, what if like Ubisoft picked like this is a Ubisoft idea. If, they, if, a, if a developer yeah. was going to pick up the specific idea and make their version of it. Like, mm-hmm. what if Ubisoft made that off out of like a Ghost Recon if- franchise? If it was the uh, oh, this fits. Well, Ghost I was going to say the Rainbow Six. I, I was going to say if it was the uh, the Siege people, it would be great. Anybody yeah. else from Ubisoft probably would be terrible. I was just thinking, like, I realized that this actually fits 
more or less elements like a lot of the design sensibilities of the original uh the original original uh rainbow six games i mean ghost recon games because mm-hmm. those were those were permadeath almost instant death missions where you had to carefully sneak through an entire place and do like almost impossible missions basically where at any moment a single mistake would cost you everything like that used to be the main campaign of those games like they were they were a lot like what this was actually Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that that's kind of come back in fashion in a weird way. Like it's kind of like how roguelike is a lot of this like old school mechanics becoming popular again and Dark Souls and old school mechanics becoming popular again. Like in a way, this is kind of like a weird return to like the original Ghost Recons. That's weird to think about. Yep. Now, which one has better shooting, a PS1 third person shooter <laughs> or this one? <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, God, it's probably a toss up, man. <laughs> I might, I might throw it in original Ghost Recon. <laughs> Back when everyone was square people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Everyone was a boxy mascot, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is we talk about next? You have oh, any questions? Actually, uh, <laughs> Bird, you want to, you want to tell us about your, uh, escape room experience? Since you've been to a real one now? Oh, yeah. Well, it wasn't really an escape room because you're allowed to leave at any given time. That's always um, true. Legally. But, uh, yeah, it's t- true. But, like, uh, you're allowed back in is what I'm saying. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, how you can leave and work. come back. Yeah. Which, okay. So, it was, like, a not really an escape room, but it was, like, a puzzle hunt. Um, which is, So, basically, this was sponsored by uh amazon for amazon employees and um what we did was it was just like from 10 to 6 p.m uh you sit in a room with up with a team of up to eight people and they just release uh puzzles and those puzzles just go out into your just get emailed to you and um they're all like uh pencil and paper but some of them also have like audio files that have to go along with it and stuff like that and uh you have to uh, you have to solve them too, and that unlocks meta puzzles, which you then solve, which then unlock like the next tier. And in total, there's like eight or nine puzzles or whatever. So um, this was something I did not with my team, but with a couple of other coworkers, just from people that I know around the company that I don't directly work with, but there are people that I know who went on to other teams and stuff like that. And uh, so what we did was just formed a team, went into a room, sat down, and just jammed out on some puzzles. And uh, they were super hard. <laughs> they were really, really difficult. Um, there, there was like one that was basically like somebody made up their own version of Sudoku, uh, where it was like uh, you played it on a pyramid instead, and uh, that was like really tough. Because I mean, these are puzzles that are designed to be entertaining towards like MIT graduates and stuff. So for mere for them, it's like. They usually beat these things in, like, um, I want to say there was one team of, like, all Berkeley grads, and they had beat it by about 3 p.m. So, for mere mortals like myself, we weren't able to finish it. But uh, they were all, like, really, really requiring a lot of, like, creative thinking. Um, So, one of them that I thought was, like, really fascinating was... Uh, we had to listen to a bunch of um, lyrics 
And uh, I couldn't for it was like 11, 11 songs, each of which were just like these small um, samplings of lyrics. And like that was literally the entire thing. It was just like sit back, relax and enjoy the tunes. And we had to guess the code word based oh off God. of listening to all of these songs. It's like that fucking hard. <laughs> Did you have like cool downs on like you guess three times and you have to wait five minutes for like any weird stuff like yes. that? Yeah, you can't you can't yeah. write brute forcing algorithms because people will do that if they're professional programmers. Oh, um, and uh, some like there are puzzles where like it it ends up being in binary and you have to like decode it to get like the next clue and stuff like that because that's like the crowd that they're aiming for. But yeah. yeah, so one puzzle was I had to listen to eleven tracks and it took me three hours to solve. And <laughs> literally, I mean, I was doing other things at the same time. And I'd come back to it and be like, I don't know what this is. And then, um, yeah. And then finally, um, I heard somebody say, uh, like the phrase, like, are you okay to the other person? Like they were just like talking randomly. And then it clicked in my head what the, uh, what the, what the puzzle was, because in my head, I thought like of, um, uh, when I, this is literally what I thought. I thought, are you okay? Then I thought of like, are you up? Because I was just like, eh, that's kind of funny. Because I was just bored. And then <laughs> I like thought about that in like a text form. And I realized that it was like, are you like... Like the letters okay? R, U, O, and K? Yeah. And then I thought about it. And I realized that every single song lyric had a word in it that was... um, Like one was like, lovely Rita. So it was like, are you free to take some tea with me? Another was like golly G and stuff like that. And then I realized that all the lyrics had a word in them that was um, a letter. And then we, uh, so you got like this scramble, like you got this anagram. So then we had to solve the anagram from all the letters that we pulled from the lyrics. And then I'm you punch really that in and that was the solution. Story. <laughs> Dude, it, it is so well made, but it's insane. so goddamn hard i want to get down um, and get marty and fly him out and take him to that place <laughs> uh i mean you have to be an employee yeah to, <laughs> to i know do it yeah we, we had a really, job we had a really Amazon. Great, we had a really great escape room experience recently where we played mm -hmm. uh we, we went to a place that was already multiple uh escape rooms where the whole point is to have do a series of puzzles that all culminate in getting like the solution that opens the door that makes you leave like that's usually escape rooms mm -hmm. is like they're like mass effect choices where they start in a single spot branch out and then close back in basically and converge mm -hmm. instead we did a place called the it was uh, a separate room called the heist it, it was mm -hmm. mechanically like an escape room except for the goal was not to escape but to steal everything that there was Dude, that's cool. Yeah, so we had that sounds basically, awesome. It was a massive non-linear puzzle puzzle rooms series where everything had its mm -hmm. own puzzle chain to get to each individual object in the room that was in all these different displays. And you're and if you could if you put it into the bucket of the stuff you're you're stealing, then you get the points for the thing. Uh, we were awesome. the second people ever to get one hundred percent. Dude, good job. And what was really cool about it in particular is that uh, they they take you into that place. And the first thing that happens is like, all right, uh, half of you raise your hand because you're coming with me. What they do is they lock mm. you in the other room. So mm. uh, the team is split into two separate teams that are in two separate rooms. And so one of the first goals you need to figure out is how to actually get the door open in the first place. Like, because you, mm. you, you have a tiny hole in the door that you can speak through a little bit. And um, amusingly, the lights are on in one room and not on in the other room. 
So like mm-hmm. you even have to have the forethought to be like, oh wait, we have flashlights we can technically fit through there, so they can actually have a light source in that room, and like you have to do a whole series of God, things to awesome. to open the door. That's and really stuff. Like, cool. There's, there's so many cool escape rooms in real life, but uh-huh. uh, the three of us and Shell at at times recently played multiple vid- escape room video games, which is what I was the segue <laughs> I had planned here for bringing this uh-huh. up. Uh, and Marty and I had an idea, and I don't know if any, I don't like about how to capitalize on this thing, which is that mm-hmm. there's escape room video games happening right now, and they're mm-hmm. not great. No, they <laughs> like, suck. Most of them they're are really, really bad. <laughs> the most of the ones we've been able to find, which we have a limited pool because we none of us have VR, so we, mm-hmm. we're stuck with the the non VR ones, and that we have no idea if that's higher or lower on quality on average than most of them. But a lot of them are really bad, and we were thinking about like. Escape rooms already exist. What if people made those into video games? Like that's like the that's like the obvious solution here, right? Because uh, yeah, the video because the, the we, we you have these tried and true escape rooms that you know have to be good because they have a business model of having a physical location that can only exist because it has successful escape rooms in it in the first place. Like mm-hmm. otherwise they go out of business because they can't pay their rent and stuff like that. So that's already tested. But something I know about escape rooms from going around them a bit is they have a tendency to retire rooms over time because mm-hmm. they know of the nature of their business is that their audience can only play each room once stuff. more or less. So over time, they mm-hmm. need to cycle out the old ones and bring in the new ones. But if they keep if they keep the schematics for the for the old retire ones, then like what you could do is you could at the moment they're retired out. They could be passed off to like a video game company that turns them into a video game for like a wider audience to be able to experience now that it's not being used by that physical location. And you'd you'd have like the best escape room video games ever made because the ones that have to rely on them physically as a real location to exist as a place, like they make great stuff. And like that I think there's a lot of merit to your theory there. Yeah. I bet a escape room yeah. company could probably make a lot of money following that as long oh, as they yeah. also own the video it, game because yeah it also becomes another revenue source for the escape room company themselves and things like that like yep. like the place i went to that has that cool heist idea i've already played one of their other escape rooms they have one more i still haven't played they have one that's retired already and i could never yep. play that unless <laughs> <laughs> and like that's that's like an that's an evergreen revenue source that you put on steam and it goes on sales and stuff like that and people keep oh. finding it for years and buying it like that that would probably I don't that could I don't think work. that exists, but it should. Yep. Rush up in your programming. We need a Telltale Games of Escape yeah, Room companies, like a Telltale Games a that farms out all the different uh, escape rooms that are retiring from different companies around the world. Yeah, I mean, go ahead, go ahead and fire up Unity. Start, yeah. start going to escape rooms and take notes, and then steal their ideas. Yeah, because puzzles are that. not fucked up. Cop- <laughs> that well. would be really fucked up for you to do that. <laughs> that's like that's unethical. That is not that a, thing that is, is not a business partnership. That is intellectual. Game mechanics theft. are technically not not copyrightable, so yep. you sort of could. Yeah, Maybe would, I mean, just, some, some of be, them are kind of copyrightable. You'd get blacklisted. Like if you did that, they would yeah. probably figure out who you are and ban you from every you'd be escape like the guy room. Trying to steal the Coca Cola recipe. <laughs> Somebody actually pulled that off. Remember? I don't remember. Oh, there was a story a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, Somebody, guy stole the recipe, tried to sell it to Pepsi, and uh, Pepsi turned Pepsi him in. Didn't want it. Yeah, yeah. like we're not. What the the fuck? Who to do jail. you think we are? We're yeah, not. We're doing good. This. People want to. People want Pepsi. They don't they, want Coke. They didn't think so. that Pepsi would know better than to yeah. like accept that kind of thing. 
Yeah. yeah. Like, dude, what did what did they think was gonna happen? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, Pepsi, Pepsi would got- be like, finally, we can bring <laughs> down those evil Coca Colas by making the exact same drink, and we won't get in any trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Pepsi is garbage it's water with a terrible marketing Pepsi campaign, Coke. but they have some ethics. <laughs> Pepsi Coke, and then they get sued into oblivion because they can't <laughs> call it Coke. So well, you can't it even be call it the same fucking thing. No, no it would be uh, Keko. They'd call it K-E-C-O. They'd call it new, or, new New Coke. No, 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 no. You know what's interesting? Um, no, new, new Snoke. Super, new Snoke. Super Coke U. They partner I, with. I read uh, a, they partner with Star Star Wars. I read a, a um, I read an analysis for why New Coke failed, and it turns out is really fascinating. Apparently, people love the flavor of New Coke, but only one sip of it. Yes, apparently, well, like um, New Coke tested is, so well that they thought it was going to be a slam dunk, but it turns out that they were only testing people with like well, a they little did, amount they of did it. What Pepsi does actually, yeah. Um, so. Pepsi so always Pepsi... brags about winning those taste tests, but it's because people like one sip of Pepsi more than one sip of Coke. It's yeah. because um, the higher sugar content, so the uh, the initial sip is awesome. you know, comparatively delicious, and then after that, it's just like, oh. But actually, mm-hmm. go, yeah, actually going through Pepsi compared to Coke is actually kind of not a great time. Yeah. I mean, I I hate both, but I definitely, this this podcast brought to you by Coke. <laughs> now um i don't know i hate weird I hate direction give me this podcast get, give Man, me root beer let me just tell you something there's nothing more refreshing than a cool coca-cola after a hard day of fragging after a hard week noobs. of slowly dying of starvation and thirst and, and fragging noobs and video games am i right gamer friends <laughs> i have a pokey stop come hang out <laughs> Oh man! Let's throw Come down bars and catch some Crumb, sweet Pika, 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 Coke Pika HQs. <laughs> man, the other day I was uh, fidgeting with my spinner, and let me tell you, it was it was good. They're everywhere now, dude. Right. I went to Joe's yeah. going away party because he was moving to Japan, and there was three fidget spinners there. And then I went to my dad's pl- house for uh, Father's Day, and there was two fidget spinners there. And those were all fifty-year-old to sixty-year-old people. Oh no! Like, it's I keep already reached that phase. Spinners. They're just everywhere. Oh, my my problem are the fidget spinner YouTube channels because, like, <laughs> I will um. So I I hang out in uh, Dragast's Discord, um, you know the the private one for YouTubers. And they will frequently make fun of other YouTubers. So eventually I caved and I watched one. And like I was describing earlier with uh, Moon Landing Hoax videos, I watched one fidget spinner video. And now all of my suggested YouTube videos are fidget spinner videos. And I'm like, no, (laughs) I I have no interest. (laughs) I wonder what my recommended videos are. Because I never look at the front page of YouTube, like that part where they actually recommend stuff to you. I do every once in a while just because I'll like click on I'll just like type in YouTube and then navigate to my dashboard from there because I'm lazy. Wait, YouTube's just recommending stuff I already watch. Oh, most, yeah, YouTube likes one, to recommend my own videos. Video is Andrew's Talos Principle playthrough? <laughs> then it's slow mo guys. Then my video, Captain Disillusion, yeah. previously recorded film cow vlog brothers. Something that looks a lot like Jesse Cox, but being stolen and re-uploaded by someone else. Dynasty Warriors? I don't know. 
I'm, the important I'm thing trying is to learn how to dab right now, and it looks more like I just stepped out of a goddamn Renaissance painting when I do it. Oh, are I'm you trying like, to dab on camera? Yes. What else would I be doing right now? <laughs> Jackass. <laughs> I mean, I don't have an answer, I guess. But yeah, talking okay, about I, our, our, I terrible, it, our terrible, terrible... When I, when I do it, I have like a fucking like David reaching out to God thing going on with my left hand, and it's just I don't I don't do it right. I suck at dabbing, guys. I really suck at dabbing. I guess <laughs> anyway, you, what were you saying? I guess you cannot that's be a be the fellow title child. Of this, a podcast, maybe. <laughs> I suck at dabbing. I'm so bad, man. Like I said, it's it's like I'm, bird sucks at being hip child. Oh my god. Man. Yeah. So, on the topic of the escape rooms. Uh, <laughs> so, we we got we got around to playing three different escape rooms of, ver- of varying purpose and quality. Uh, one was that we finally got around to the one that we played a long time ago with with me, Wander, and Shell, which was The Last Will. We roped in mm-hmm. Bird on it and had an interesting experience. It started a- off strong. The beginning is good. The second part is okay, and then the third and fourth, are you're like, did they it just, just give sucked. up? And they yeah, just gave it up. Really, they just gave up. They ran out of steam. It got like, so bad. The fact that the last puzzle is more just like, take Grandpa's mind, and he'll solve the puzzle for you. It's like, where's this grand finale puzzle? Like, I think the last puzzle we did was just a kind of silly word puzzle, where we just had to think Rem- up enough. No, no, remember? The last puzzle we did was like, there was like some math things involved, and I literally said, guys... All we need to do is just keep pressing buttons, and we'll solve the puzzle. Oh, you're and then, right. And then by and the time then, you finish that sentence, you would solve the puzzle. Yeah, yeah like, I think I within, flipped it or bird it. Yeah, the within a couple that, of that seconds, came we up solved was it. That the game wants to be replayable and randomized for some reason, as opposed to just being like well laid out. So every chapter or floor or whatever is five rooms that are randomly jammed together. And mm-hmm. the individual puzzles can be kind of interesting. Like there was that one pipe puzzle where you had to flip, th- where you could only flip three valves, and you had to make the path of the water or gas or whatever perfectly, like go through the system correctly. So you had to find the mm-hmm. correct solution. Like there's some fun stuff like that. But oftentimes the general layout would just be that, like you go into a room, there's one puzzle. Half the time is spent just trying to find what the one puzzle was is in the first place. But the one puzzle is basically like either like click these three things or what's the <laughs> yeah, answer to this math yep. problem and stuff like that. And, and then the moment it's over, you leave the room. I'm like, that's not an es- that's not an escape room setup. That's not, <laughs> there's no pu- there's no puzzle chain at any point yeah. in the entire game. It's just every room is one puzzle with some atmosphere. Yeah, <laughs> I, but the puzzles I, I kind quickly of... got bad. I kind of noticed a trend where, like, you guys would get, like, really wrapped up in something, and I was, like, just fucking around stacking boxes or whatever, and I'd, like, tune in and be like, oh, it's this, because you guys kind of were wrapped up in the details or whatever, like, the the freaking shelf one, uh, where you guys were, were like, trying to to find the atmosphere. Yeah, and and I was just, like, I looked at the shelves, and I'm like, it's just this, and then I, like, the the shelf one was really bad. The yeah, shelf that one was, was horrible. That was, that was a room that had that wasn't even just being unwrapped in the that was, we were just wrapped up in the like the atmosphere. That one straight up had like the makings of like four different puzzles in it, which was a little bit the point because they did kind of introduce that that was like the workshop that they were making the puzzles in in the first place. So they're like scraps, but mm-hmm. it was so incomprehensible to figure out what yeah, might be a puzzle mechanic. And by the time we like... figured the real puzzle out, it was the most boring thing in the room. 
there was like gears that you had to collect. So we thought like, oh, you have to find all the gears. And then there was a machine that played a recording and you could control the speed of the recording. That wasn't part of the puzzle at all. There was all these newspapers with like numbers on them. And then there was tarot a cards. Like, there were tarot cards, which had nothing that wasn't part of it. Yeah. And then there was a safe that had like numbers on it, but the numbers on the newspaper clippings didn't mean anything. It was the most exciting the- room of the entire playthrough when we entered it and the most infuriating one when we solved it because once we were actually there, that like that was the makings of a real escape room. When you walk mm-hmm. into a real escape room in real life, it looks like that where there's like so many chains of things you're like, "Oh, we're going to it's all going to come together and it's going to be so cool." And instead it was a trick. And that's super yeah. disappointing. <laughs> Oh, man. By comparison, though, we played a game called Tales of Escape, which unfortunately only has one chapter so far, one single room, and because of the nature of uh, unfinished uh, Steam games, we actually don't know if there ever will be really another one. I, I think there last won't time, be. Last time I looked there, at their page... They might want there to be. There's not going to be one, though. So they, they, there might be another one coming out, because on June 7th, they put out a tes- uh, thing called Testers Wanted, talking about the next chapter. So like, they apparently have enough of mm. a next chapter that they're trying to get it tested. So... Good for them. That it might be. Surprise, it might have another good one. For them. But like this one was significantly better. It had a lot of jank going on where just like stuff would collide weird and pick up the weird. The physics like, was hilarious. Yeah, it's a, it was a very like <laughs> bare bones like game engine, but it mm-hmm. had a series of multi room puzzles that would stretch over the envi- entire environment, and we had to put our brains together to solve actual real puzzles. But it was only like forty minutes long. <laughs> yeah. So there's hope. by contrast, we were here is excellent. Yes, yeah, mostly. This was, this was what made this whole experiment worth it. Is that we came to we have, we found a game called We uh, uh, We Were Here, which is a two player co op asymmetric multiplayer uh, escape Free. room game, which is that two people are in two separate rooms and series of rooms and stuff and solving and they have asymmetrical information about each puzzle and have to communicate the elements of the puzzle themselves in order to go back and forth and actually like, solve what each puzzle is. And it's super clever. <laughs> and it's free. Completely yep. free. So, if you if you are, if you you are have one friend who likes to solve puzzles and has a PC that can run relatively basic games, maybe pause and go play that for free because we might talk about its puzzles right now, but it's really, that's worth checking out because it's free yep. and it's called We Were Here. And there's going to be another sequel that's probably free this summer. We ran into some small issues with it. Uh, the um, uh, Shell was having the hardest time with that projector on the, what was it, the third? The chess puzzle? Yeah. yeah. She couldn't yeah. get the projector to play or whatever. So I was sitting mm-hmm. outside freezing to death, and she's like, it won't, it won't rewind, it won't play. And I'm just like, just something, please, <laughs> I can't, I can't see. <laughs> Yeah, she was like standing on the railing to actually mm-hmm. be able to access it. And it's that just definitely like, was oh. not necessary to the sitting on the rail one. But I, I will say that I did when I got to the projector part, there was like a finickiness that uh, stopped me for like a few seconds there and mm-hmm. hurt yeah. our first attempt at that puzzle. I think that was but we never died of that puzzle, right? We still made it. Through. We got really close because I wasn't able to figure out how to leave the chess puzzle after we solved it because yeah. my <laughs> screen was so snowed over. I couldn't find the escape. <laughs> It was so, tense, man. So for context, what's often happening a... in this game yeah. is that 
there's a player called the explorer and a player called the librarian. The librarian's basically in a single room, and sometimes you get mm-hmm. offshoot rooms that go into the next room, but then you go back into the main room again. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. the explorer is progressing through a linear series of chambers, and so the explorer is more like the action person that's performing the the actual solutions to puzzles or going into death-defying situations in most scenarios while the librarian is mostly reading documents and watching videos and piecing together like puzzle solutions and codes and things like that uh, based on their relatively confined area. Uh, So a lot of the game involves one person shouting about how they're dying and not knowing what to do about it (laughs) while the other person's trying to read runes on the side of the spine of a book or something. I tried yeah. to maintain our cool, though. Remember, Keith, I would just say, like, by the way, you have about X amount of time. Yeah, but I meanwhile, just like, I look oh, at your God, screen oh, God, and I'm editing, dying. and you're drowning in a rising, raising yeah. water level chamber. And I'm like, yeah. Huh. <laughs> and I'm we... just like, uh, by the way, let's, uh, I'm dying. I tried to <laughs> yeah. be very calm. <laughs> so I, I ran into a problem with that. Sometimes it's hard to tear Shell away from, like, clues and books and stuff. So she was, yeah. like, uh-huh. actively trying to write down the contents of each of those books. And so whenever mm-hmm. I'd be moving from room to room, she'd go back to the books being like, okay, I'm going to start on this. And then the water level starts going and I'm like, okay, Shell, like, I can you look around for like something? Uh, all I have is orange, but it's purple. Like, can you, can you see if you can find something? And she's like, well, this says go north. And I'm like, that's no, please don't. Uh, <laughs> it was a really interesting experience because it's a game that capitalizes on one of the important parts of about escape rooms, which is that they're multiplayer experiences that very heavily stress communication. Yeah, it, di- it did mm-hmm. that really well. Because like, you needed to communicate so well in that yeah. game. And we got mm-hmm. to a point where uh, Bird and I quickly snapped on what exactly was supposed to happen. So like, we would just start self-narrating our surroundings every time we went to new places to the point where... Both of us more or less had a functional understanding of what was happening on the other person's screen in every during yeah. every puzzle, even if we had no idea what like the actual atmosphere visuals were, but we knew like the mechanics and stuff like that. You guys and are better at teamwork than the we, that's semi-married <laughs> couple. And it was like our first ever co-op experience with I, each other, I basically. Would, yeah, I'd say by like the labyrinth, we knew we had a really good system yeah. down where it was just like, I would say, this is what I'm looking at. These are the things that I have identified as the puzzle mechanics. Yeah, and then I, you I would had say to yours, explain that because we watched, it, we both enjoyed watching very much the fact that we had already played it, and then Wander and Shell were streaming it, so we're like, oh yes, and we were watching it. Was it so was happening. I uh, think Shell really wanted those books to like be a thing because I know for the maze section specifically, she yeah. uh, she pulled out a random book and it's like, okay, now head north, and I'm like, that's a wall. And so she's like going from book to book trying to figure out like which one's relevant because maybe one of them gives the correct directions to the maze. Well, that's part of the difficulty of being the librarian is that you're given a a lot of the puzzle elements for the entire playthrough. Right away. You get the books like in the first room. Shell can't join conversation if she can't hear us. (laughs) Uh, Shell, grab your microphone if you're going to be trying to rebut these things. Yeah, um, you get. Didn't you get the books in the first room, Keith, or the second so that's, room? That's the and they were like, when you're the librarian, the, the thing yeah. you have to juggle is the fact that you have the you have Every the mechanics solution. for like the majority of the solutions immediately. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, there are rooms cool. that open up over time. Like when Bird is when Bird was at the part where they has to like figure out where he has the weird picture of the bird and stuff like that. Yeah, like that was a separate chamber for me with a ton of different portraits and stuff like that. But yeah. most of the puzzle mechanics were literally in the main room, and you didn't know when they were going to matter. So, like, mm-hmm. I was yeah. I was looking at books right off the bat because he, he was like, "I got weird symbols," and so I was looking at the books. Like, is it this yeah. symbol on the book? And like, so they, you have to trade those kinds of things off. 
Definitely but, intentional yeah. on the developer's part and so, good on them oh, for yeah. doing it's, it. It's, it's, it's about information parsing. So I'm, I, did you, I don't know if you've edited I, it or not, Wander. Haven't yet. I just do got you the know, footage yesterday. So do you know what happened? Uh, well, do, you, do you know yeah. what was happening in the maze? So what we did actually was after we beat it the first time, we decided to play through it a second time, which was, I want to say, at least 10 times faster. And it was <laughs> sure. like... Yeah. It was like you know, the smooth sailing the entire way through. Yeah, uh, so I actually got to see both sides, and it is definitely so much more like understandable once you have even just seen the librarian chamber uh, and what it's laid out like. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wish for some of the time sensitive ones they mm-hmm. had maybe been a little bit um, less time e- sensitive. Yeah. <laughs> well, I so sort of. I I wish for the play your. I wish for the play in the chess when your vision didn't dim. I'm totally down with like um, I, I'm totally down with like it being time sensitive. Like maybe your character's yeah. like shivering more audibly or Cause like because that, that's part of the mm-hmm. scramble is that like the other person's exp- the other person has to parse which information under a time limit is the thing that's relevant to the person who's dying in the chamber. Because like mm-hmm. by the end of our first run on the chess one, we'd figured it out finally because it wasn't immediately apparent to Shell that I had to play both sides. She always also she always played as uh, the black uh, the black player in chess, so all of her directions were black centric. Whereas I've always been the white player. Yeah. Uh, so so she's like, okay, so it's the bishop on the right, and I'm like, <laughs> what? Um, that was the, that I do was that the, one of the biggest moments the where your communication was totally breaking down, and neither of you were contextualizing what was happening on your screen to the other. Yeah, mm-hmm. like she wasn't explaining that she was looking at a holograph of the of a like a projection of a chessboard, and like this is on top and this is on bottom. But you also weren't explaining that you were standing in the middle of a giant chessboard that was yeah. life size, and like neither of you knew what was on each other's screens. Yeah. Did, um, you, did you ever find out what you guys were missing during the maze? During the maze, yeah. Uh, the guiding light, specifically. Yeah, yeah I, I never figured that. that one out. It I tells you the light out. will guide your way and stuff. And in, in the librarian chamber, there's actually a switch you can you can crank, and it'll like crank a generator that puts light on the map, which makes all of the doors oh. and switches light up. So you can yeah, see every single door and switch out. in the maze. I just, I just uh, stumbled upon the correct solution by sheer happenstance. I mean, for the most part, it was pretty easy to figure out. So I was just like, all right. So yeah, I flipped this here and no I flipped this. in that one, despite introducing yeah. the specter of a threat. Yeah, there yeah, was like a little creature. Zombie. I, I didn't see the zombie. I just saw like a, a foot like disappear around a corner and that was that, just that the end of the it. the zombie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they introduced that, a monster, that but that's actually the only, the that was the only part of the game where you were safe. That, yeah. that thing scared the shit out of me, man. Yeah, Bird saw like, that and he wanted out. He wanted to he yeah. wanted to switch places. Like, I didn't want to be in a labyrinth with a fucking monster. <laughs> and then you got these paintings of these dogs. You thought they were adorable. Dude, I thought I was gonna die. Now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> some kind of combination between um amnesia and we were here would be amazing. Oh <laughs> don't fuck with them. Oh, I just want to no. see more games from this developer. I want to see this continue because yeah. like this was actually good. They were making and it's, we it's were what here I was too, right? For. Yeah, there's yeah. a there's a we are here too, and we are here. You're two, you're two hikers in some snowy place, and there's two other hiker people. You're all like have masks, or it's incomprehensible who you are, or what gender, or even anything about you really. Uh, there's just four figures, and the two people, two sets of two split off separately, and so one group is it the ones you play as in this game, and the other two groups gonna be the ones you play in the next game, which I feel like just sets up the idea that whoever survives each of the of the games would be the players of the next game. Like if they made a third one, yeah. Because in the at the end of We Are Here, uh, 
there's a there's a uh, pressure plate you have to stand on to open the gate so that one of you can leave. But obviously, because it's a pressure plate, that means that like no one, the other one can't leave. Mm-hmm. So one of you is presumably doomed to die. So it'd be interesting if like the two survivors or maybe the two trapped people come together in a third game. Even though even though this is the most like for revenge. Even though this is the most bare bones framing for a trilogy ever. <laughs> I will admit. I actually am disappointed they didn't charge money for it because that would mean they could actually like Better have sequels. a higher quality. Oh, yeah. I hell's Ivan. Ivan. Uh, terrible. Yeah. Remember the play, the king. Uh, well, it was kind of implied oh. that it might be him, but probably not. I think he was mostly just the the he was just the theming for the story being told in that because it was a storytelling puzzle. I don't know if that has any more length behind it besides just that. It might have just what been the puzzle. What was that thing? It looked like it was some kind it of It was just a thing. Wraith that was on like It was Ivan the Terrible. The marionette. The marionette. The marionette's yeah. really unnerving. Yeah, the marionette's super unnerving. It moves like a weeping angel. Yep. It just that... s- snaps into a different pose every time you, that you don't look at it. And I'm fairly convinced that whenever the person who's behind the scenes presses the scene switch when the scene's not set up correctly, it makes it go closer. Uh, mm-hmm. Anytime you... Well, like yes and no. So I he flawlessed it the second time around and he still moved, but he didn't yeah. move nearly as much. I think he moves on a timer, but also every time you... Uh, and I think that timer shrinks every time you you do a wrong input during the puzzle. I think so, yeah. I definitely felt like he killed the player at different timings in different attempts in both my playthrough and yours. Time. The very first time we did it, like, you died within, like, 10 seconds or, like, 30 like, seconds. Yeah, Shell and I both ran into it to see what would happen. <laughs> oh, and, and, and then, we were, hit, then we were hit with the experience of what happens because you go back to the previous puzzle. That part sucks! <laughs> yeah, what it, what ended up happening for that one was I just memorized, like, two, two of the one's directions the and books. then killed myself over and over again. So Until Shell wouldn't have them. to find yeah. the book. Another that was, time, that was like, my favorite part of like, oh, it's gonna happen. Because when, when you played it, you know the ways that it can trick you, so you're just waiting for someone else to get tricked the same way. And when Shell yeah. started reading lines one at a time to you, I'm like, oh no, she hasn't know. noticed. We she were... hasn't noticed yet that they have like an out of sequence uh, thing. No, I know that. I know that there are some that were after and stuff. Yeah, but at so first you I... at first you didn't, which is exactly what we were waiting for to happen. Because like, yes, yeah. do it. Read one line at a time, and then Wander dies. Yeah. <laughs> Keith and I, we were chatting with each other in Discord, we, just we being like, oh my god, there's a section. Yeah, it was the so entire fun. thing. Mm. It's so fun to watch somebody else go through an escape room you've already done, basically. Which yeah. is a completely <laughs> unique experience I, I I've never had like before. I like the fact that, that instead of, like, a, a torso, Wander just had a different idea as to what that looked like. <laughs> what? I, what, the penis? Look, yeah. yeah. It was you got to see penis on a stream repeatedly, multiple times. <laughs> what did you guys call it? Was it also wangle for uh, you? We called it a wangle or a doodle or yeah. a fireman or a penis. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing I called it was seventies hair. Oh yeah, and I was, was like, like, "What the hell are like you a- talking about?" <laughs> it was like a woman with long hair, kind of. Yeah, we called it a fat fox. Yeah, uh, a wangle. Yeah, I tried uh, calling it a fox, and Shell was not having it. It was a cat. A man holding maracas. I'm, that was another well, one that we said. I mean, said. you started out with something way weirder than calling it a fox. You're like, it's a bow tie yeah, yeah. with a K on top of it. I'm like, what is he saying? Yeah. <laughs> how did you, I, I was how trying did you to, not immediately well, anthropomorphize after, it? A, after our uh, 
after our issues with uh with the chess one, I was trying to be as literal as humanly possible <laughs> uh, with it was my just, descriptions. It was just the realization that that uh, Wander has the opposite of that gene that makes you see faces everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Like the yeah, most I, I don't shaped thing ever was a I bow tie I with a K on it. <laughs> I almost never have to deal with uh, pareidolia, uh, pareidolia. Like something that, like that. That is something that just a, does not. like a wall throwing thrown. Yeah, I think so. Our description for the last one was like a lady robot or a guy robot on a boat. Yeah, uh, we said it was a robot on a boat. Too. I was trying to say <laughs> I was trying to say it was an alien, but Shell was not having that because it, it, it looks like a an alien from boat. it. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, it looked like an alien from um, Commander Keen. Kind of, yeah. It looked like one of those um, the scary ones that chased you so down. Was the house with a face. Out, yep, we said house of the face. Is it time for questions? That's funny. Uh, sure. Are there any? I thought we killed all the questions no, ever. we definitely didn't. God damn it. I mean, <laughs> yay fans. <laughs> I thought you guys like doing questions unless you want to do more video game topics. I love doing questions. Yeah. What's this, this is like, one of my favorite parts outrage. of this. <laughs> it's funny. It's a joke. It's a yuck yucks. Uh, PK Lixian Gaming, or however you pronounce this weird P Lixian. They're regular. I know so from any video are. game, what ability you wish you had? Or, well, anything in general? Saving and loading. <laughs> That'd be pretty sweet, huh? Wait, pretty good. I... So like, I play so many video games. What ability games. would you like from a game is the is the correct grammar replacement of the, how that was asked. <laughs> I play so many video games that I actually have safe loading powers in most of my dreams now. That's like the and question we have to ask is whether we're talking about powers that characters have in games or powers you have as a player of a video game. <laughs> that, do I we think have like no clip and save load? And <laughs> I think in the spirit of the question, either one is a satisfying answer. Well, I, I'd like to preface this. Uh, there's a moment in Baldur's Gate 2 where you're in the Underdark and you come across an adventuring party and they like you talk to them for a while and then they attack you because they know you're like the bastard son of the god of death. Yeah. And you turn into a horrible monster and murder them and then the game pauses and it like manually goes to a reload thing right before the dialogue and you loop back through it because they're the they're the party with the ability to save and load and stuff like that. And then you go what? into dialogue again, and they're like, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, super friendly and like do not want to piss you off at all. And I was just like, what? That was <laughs> in the a game. Best. Yeah, it was like <laughs> oh the best fourth wall breaking I moment I've ever that. seen. I just had that oh, same moment yeah. in the game recently. Actually, there's a game called the the uh, Infectious Madness of Doctor Decker. It's this. It's a oh, right, FMV game. game where you type in questions and and you try to like to be a therapist slash investigate a murder for a bunch of potentially crazy people. One guy's issue is that because all these people have like a supernatural thing going on, one of them has like a time loop thing going on where he keeps repeating the same day over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the game the game train uh, turns the table, and what happens is uh, there's a private chapter for just him where every time you answer a question incorrectly, the chapter starts over. And eventually he mm-hmm. re- realizes that you're looping because you ask him about something that he hasn't told you about yet. And so the, the get his mechanics switch it like it becomes that that the realization that the the core gameplay mechanic of the normal game is also what he's experiencing as a, as a character in the game. <laughs> like mm. this, you can do some fun stuff with weird weird meta me- mechanic storytelling in games. That's all. That's what Undertale yeah. is. I was gonna make an Undertale joke. That's fine. I I think I said Undertale when I the, the moment this answer this question was brought up too. <laughs> No. 
Oh. You probably well, thought it, but you I didn't say it. I thought it real loud. <laughs> <laughs> Saving loading's pretty good. Fast travel. Oh, man. That would be nice. Just to be a yeah. place, because you want to. The jump oh, of yeah. power, basically. <laughs> I would... I would absolutely love uh, fast travel. I mean, <laughs> grocery how store. Boop. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was gonna say like I know where Keith lives mostly, so I just Ew. be like, <laughs> I just be like, so you want to play uh, blank uh, Overcooked? Yeah, a little bit later. So sure. many of there are so many of life's problems that are caused by distance or travel time and like so on and so forth. Like, like there's so many things mm-hmm. I don't do because I'd have to leave Central California. But there's also so many. But there's also so many things I don't do necessarily because I'd have to drive an hour through, or drive what might be two hours through Sacramento traffic. Because I don't know what's wrong with this region, but there's a crash every day. So every time I le- try to mm-hmm. leave through Sacramento, there's just like an hour of backed up traffic to get to what used to be a five minute drive. Then I can move on to the hour of actually driving where I'm trying to go, uh, which is miserable. I don't know why there's a crash. So horrible. There's, there's some there's some traffic ruining tra- uh, crash every day lately. It's driving me crazy. I want self driving cars to be done in the future. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, I, we all I do. I yeah. miss having to commute to a job because I would always be made late. Accidents on the road. Hmm. And dealing mm-hmm. with that wouldn't even work. Right. Fast travel and, and quick save, quick load would be so good. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I would answer for that. I guess, um... Hmm. God. I don't know. I never really thought about it too much. The I kind of like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> What if the what if in the bottom left corner of your eyeball there was a GPS at all times? <laughs> a GPS until like I could set waypoints and it would point me exactly to <laughs> oh, it. Yeah. You could see your own health and stamina meters. Oh <laughs> my be, god. I don't have a GPS right now, yeah, so maybe that see would be status it. effects. <laughs> you would save so much though in like doctor's appointments and like food mm-hmm. if you could exactly see like your hunger meter is like fifty percent, mm-hmm. and you know exactly like when you need to eat. But how scary would like it be that? if you could see your real life health meter and you couldn't figure out how to fill it? Dude, yeah, you look at yeah. your health meter and it was just like, like it was in the red. It was at like ten out of a hundred. Like, like you chose the, the worst power, fine. the power to see how fucked you are, and nothing else. Hundred <laughs> didn't bring this one up. That would be fun. Yeah. One thing that was interesting when we were practically any mm-hmm. and I mean if there were if there are games where you could also see I I am that would be cool too. I am but... so used to fall damage killing you <laughs> that I want nothing to do with video game what? climbing physics <laughs> unless I had uh, some associated like survival mechanism that you're afraid, was... you're afraid of real life fall damage. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I I got kicked off of a uh, like a ten foot cliff once and landed on the on like my neck and I was oh, out for that's like the worst part two hours. <laughs> yeah, that Jesus. was yeah, that was <laughs> didn't take that fall like, very well. <laughs> that was I know uh, what I would have as a grading or a superpower is uh, I would want it to be that at the end of every day I get a rank. 
to see how well I did for that day. <laughs> of course, that would be the would. most goddamn maddening thing ever. That would be the, it? so much. That would you be the this, most like, disappointed thing ever. avatar of yourself as like a Sonic the Hedgehog D comes <laughs> down on the screen. And you got zero rings. And, you know, oh the, Jesus, that would be horrible. Every other, day it does that thing where your score's too low, so now the symphony's playing out of tune. Uh-huh. The other like meta mechanic that would be uh, cool is just the ability to like have like direct exp bars for everything oh and, god like, oh, yeah i'd love to have a skill tree in real it would, life it would, it would make working out or learning guitar easier if like you could see yeah. progress being made well not even like see progress like you know how like rpg characters have totally unrealistic like um scaling mm-hmm. so they'll yeah. like uh they'll like uh like fight 10 goblins and then suddenly be better at fighting goblins and you're like that what oh yeah okay Okay. Mike, Mike Kajit and Morwen can jump like 30 feet. Yeah. Like, he's jumped I could a be, lot. <laughs> if I could be a freaking, like, um, if I could be like a freaking, uh, like Morrowind character, that would be amazing across the board. Cause I could just, I, w- I would go running a lot and then I'd be like, hell's a fast. And then I go be in the Olympics, make a ton of money, and then like retire rich and then work on like oh, outliving bullets and shit by like, Getting work punched on a lot. Like getting shot a bunch and get good <laughs> no, no, at it. No, 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 no. I work <laughs> out there. I'd, I'd start story. with like, I'd start like with with uh, what? Well, like, get shot with cheese balls. Oh, no. Get really tough no, 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 at that. No, no, no. You, and you then... start with like <laughs> boxing. <laughs> well, that's 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 the question. That's the point. <laughs> like, what mm-hmm. would you have in real life? Oh, that I was the whole question. The life part. I thought and that it was the what power would you? Oh, have? in every game. No. I was going to say, like, the ability to climb stuff, you can already kind of do that, but I wasn't going to oh, sass yeah. you on it. No, 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 no. I, Dude, I didn't, I didn't my brother terrifies me. Oh, my you, brother you, likes oh, you, to you climb thought you meant, like, everything. what power do you want in other games? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, pretty much, because there are so many games that don't. Yeah, yeah, they're like, oh no, it's a knee-high fence. The problem that there, the problem I have yeah. is the same question we had with a, during the Q and A podcast was similar, I think, which is the idea if you if you copy paste like classes or roles or powers or abilities from game to game, it breaks how games are made because they're mm-hmm. like they're supposed to be built on a certain set of rules. So if you take another game's rules and put it into a different game, then that neither game works. Hmm. But breaking real life's cool because it's not supposed to be fun. You just got to win at it. <laughs> the whole like real life stuff, I'll still stand by like having dialogue, <laughs> seeing dialogue trees. Oh man! Oh, oh man. yeah! And, and no, it would seeing give you percentages on how well your line was gonna land and stuff. <laughs> yeah, see, oh, seeing God. like rep gain bonuses. Like, uh, oh shoot, what game? Rent, what game was and oh. Paragon options? <laughs> yeah. Professional option, flirty option, casual option. <laughs> what what game was it, Shell? You have to do that. Huh? There, there was a game we had to play where we could actively see what like option would get us the most amount of rep with somebody. Oh, Tyranny. Uh hmm. Tyranny had that that whole like uh rep gain loss system. And we had we turned it off eventually because we were gaming it. Uh, oh yeah, too CRPGs hard. are pretty heavy on that. You never finished that, did you? No. Nah. You never experienced I, why it made me mad. I I know why it I, made you mad. Uh, part of it, uh, time. Yeah. In- it's okay, Wanderbot. One day you'll finish a non-JRPG. Yeah. My problem is, like, JRPGs can be kind of, like, iffy a lot of the time. 
but mm. generally they're like kind of consistent the entire way through. It's rare to find a JRPG that like nosedives at the tail end, in my opinion. Like I kind of knew Xenoblade Chronicles X was going to be kind of a garbage ending because it had no consistency for the plot. It's just it felt like an MMO, so I was just like, oh, it's just it's not going to have the same like level of plot and interesting like Meanwhile, design. Tyranny kind of doesn't have an ending. Mm. Yeah. Oh hey guys, why hasn't anyone brought up inventory? Because like, inventory sucks. <laughs> inventory is the most annoying part of every video game. Yeah. Well, it de- it depends if it was like inventory. Massive things or great quantities of things in like a nothing. <sighs> I guess. Yeah. Enough, it depends the on the limitations. Home. If it was one of those where, like, I could pick up the whole freaking, like, car and bring it with me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd be down with that. You know, the, it's just like, oh, well, we have to park. Nope. Car's in my car's in my inventory. Yeah, like, what? when you're playing more, when you're like, oh, my inventory space is so restrictive. But in reality, you're you're holding, like, seven suits of armor. <laughs> it's like, that's so impossible. Like, you're carrying, a, you're basically right. carrying a car at that point. That's a fair point. I guess I had not really thought that through. Okay, we got time for one more question. Chat says pausing and unpausing life. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> That's a valid point too. It, uh, yeah. Did I tell you how tyranny ended? By the way, Wander. Yes, I know how tyranny, yeah, tyranny ends. Where it's like you, I, the the story is basically like it's time to gear up for the last fight. Roll credits. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. I don't remember if we had this time. Uh, Darkrius asks, "What's your favorite RPGs from your childhood?" Chrono Trigger. Golden Easy. Sun Warrior Monsters. Easy answer. Dragon Warrior Monsters. That's a good one. So I grew up with a very similar aged and similar interested sibling. So I couldn't really, and we had one copy of everything basically. So like we had uh-huh. a console and of each, of each type of console and stuff like that. And we and uh, a lot of our time was spent being stuck in like the back room of my dad's shop with one TV. So like you couldn't you couldn't split up entertainment sources and stuff like that. You had yeah. to fight over what the TV is going to be used for and things like that. So this is why so many parents, by the way, love the goddamn switch because yeah. it doesn't hog the TV. Anyway, so, continue. so RPGs were the, were the antithesis of the type of game I could play. So mm-hmm. like, uh, it wasn't until I got a game boy advance finally that I finally got into RPGs for maybe the first time, uh, which was mm-hmm. basically the golden sun one and two. Yep. And those... Do you liked Golden Sun? Yeah. Those songs are burned into my brain. The fucking... The uh, Isaac's battle theme. The da 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 Just fucking loops into my brain forever. <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't remember that, but the moment you did that, the, the rest of that, like, song uh-huh. <laughs> popped into my head. Yes, I spent really so much good. time on Golden Sun. That I never beat so it, though, though. Good. The, uh, it's not the, a long game, by comparison. I beat the first one. The grind oh, okay. curve on the second second game before the final dungeon was brutal. Though that has a really um. that game has a really fun sequel idea, which is that you en- you encounter certain other characters during the main story of the first game, and mm-hmm. they're there at the, like right from the beginning too. Like there's a character named Felix that you encounter early on, and he has his own separate party of people, and mm-hmm. they ha- they have a parallel story that's happening like simultaneously with the main gu- Golden Sun story. And so in Golden Sun two, mm-hmm. you just play as those people. <laughs> In a separate adventure. And I'm like, that's a you know really good idea. You know what's kind of funny about the people that made Golden Sun? Is that that's not like what they usually make. Because what they usually make is like Mario Golf. That's weird to think like about. That. 
Yeah, like, okay, let's look at what the Golden Sun developers do. Mario Sports, Mario Tennis, Mario Golf, Mario Tennis, Golden Sun. We love golf, Mario Tennis, Mario Tennis, Mario Golf, Mario Golf, Golden Sun, Mario Mobile Golf, Golden Sun, Mario Tennis, Mario (laughs) Golf. (laughs) Because I can't not, I have to link the Binding of Isaac uh, theme song. I mean, I mean, sorry, the the Isaac Battle song in all of the Mm -hmm. available chats. (laughs) Oh, man. Availability. The um mm-hmm. that was, actually began my understanding of what I now know is just the trend with JRPGs, which is way too overcomplicated progression slash class systems of some kind. There's always a nightmare yeah. thing going on in every game that you can maybe kind of ignore if you really try, but it's sort of what they want you to focus on. And in Golden Sun, it was that you would collect you would collect gins, which are these little org or little elemental creatures, and you could equip like three of them or something at a time. And the combination of ones you had equipped at a time would change your entire class. And mm-hmm. so there was like fifty or whatever number of like hidden classes where like you went you, you went from being really basic people like a healer and a soldier to being like a ninja and someone who can summon a Ragnarok yeah. and all this other crap. Because you happen to have like a fire gin and two wind gins or something equipped, and, and you have, <laughs> so it, it turned into that, that so annoying. Yeah, it was like yeah. the nightmare of like like trying to go through all the classes that exist in like the Final Fantasy Tactics universe and stuff like that. Right, and like right. that, I've now like I've been realizing that every single JRPG I ever play either has a overcomplicated uh, progression system, class system, or battle system that you have to like sit down for 20 minutes to try to explain to somebody because it's so abstracted and strange. Mm-hmm. Like, Resonance of Fate is like a turn-based third-person shooter. <laughs> yeah, um, man. Well, we probably don't have time for any other questions, so shall we uh, round this one out? I heard Chrono Trigger. I, I said Golden Sun. Did everyone else answer? I had said Knights of the Old Republic. Right, KOTOR. And I said uh, Dragon Warrior Monsters. Right. Yeah, KOTOR is the reason why I religiously and loyally followed every single Bioware game since 2004 Mm -hmm. or 2 or whatever. And, well, if I want more Bioware fix, I might have to go back and play it because I don't think I'm going to get any more of it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Unless they really learn from this. Anthem's totally going to be like a Borderlands Borderlands style mm-hmm. game, I think. I don't think it's going to be comparable. We'll see, though. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to be surprised. I I mean, one of my earliest memories I can think of right now is actually of me playing Chrono Trigger because I learned how to emulate um, SNES games. I learned that was a thing right before I moved from Maryland to New Mexico when I was like eight or nine. Yeah. So I remember Wait, that's I played... one of your earliest memories. Uh, that's still like very vivid. You know, Listen, he woke up in the lab. I have, I have lots kidnapped. of memories that are earlier than that, but they're like hazy. This is like one that's like very like I remember like a lot of the emotional response I had because like I played like the first like two levels of Chrono Trigger. I got to like the castle in the past. And then I had to move, and that meant I wouldn't have my computer for, like, two weeks. Uh-huh. So for two weeks, I was just like, I can't wait to see where this goes. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I actually have and a story about Chrono Trigger. So fun. God, Chrono Trigger is the only game I've ever tried to pirate. <laughs> yeah? Only one. Uh, yeah, I tried to huh. download it on my 3DS to play uh, illegally, and... I had a really interesting encounter with its anti-piracy measures, 
which is that you get I'm to play sure the entire prologue up until you go through the actual portal at the beginning, and then mm -hmm. it just infinitely loops the portal animation forever. <laughs> That's hilarious. That I very love confused. that piracy stuff that just fucks with you like that. Yeah, that was the one time I tried to do it. I was just so bored waiting between classes yeah. at college for so long because I used to have a 10 a.m. Mm. class and a 6 p.m. class. Oh, there were, like there was some stuff in the middle too, but I had to commute God. for an hour to get to school for a 10 a.m. class, mm -hmm. and then I'd get out out at seven to then commute to back home to get home at like eight. So it's like, like there was so much downtime in the middle of the day that I would try to get I would get down to shit I shouldn't be doing probably, uh, mm -hmm. and that was my punishment. <laughs> Alrighty, well I guess that's all for today. Yeah, next, we'll see you guys probably. next time on the Save the Universe podcast. Send your questions to uh, fournerdsquestions at gmail.com. Yep. I should probably set up a Save the Universe questions email that makes more sense if we're not going to call it foreigners anymore. Well, it's because yeah. here and there one of us has to... Yeah, yeah. Like next week. I was always Keith. against having a number in the title because it never... I'm like, that's just rife for tragedy. We pulled it off for like 27 episodes in a row. Yeah, it rolled off the tongue really well, but this makes more sense. Well, yeah. also, like, I don't know if you're ever going to, like, bring anyone else on in the future. People will... Yeah, I don't know. We'll yeah. bring on, um... What do we do when there's five of us? Do they bring share a face? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we already share a screen right now. <laughs> well, see you guys next time.